0: I'm like, well, sitting exercises don't get you back to walking better, and they don't get you back to to getting out of a chair better. Getting out of a chair multiple times gets you better at getting out of a chair. So um, you know, so I try to just make things really logical. You know, you get better at this by doing it more. And you know, they'll look at me like, oh, you're right, but
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Dr. Morgan Nulty, geriatric physical therapist, weight loss coach, and passionate disease prevention expert. I used to struggle with emotional eating, sugar cravings, and consistency. Then I learned how to lose the mental and physical weight once and for all with a low insulin lifestyle. Each week on the reshape your health podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the reshape your health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Nolte. And today I'm speaking with one of my old colleagues from when I worked at Hillcrest health and rehab, which is a skilled nursing facility. Her name is Betsy Spieler, and she's a fellow physical therapist with a passion for sharing the benefits of strength training with older adults in her practice and community. With a background in orthopedic and geriatric rehabilitation, exercise science, and strength and conditioning, she's partnered with UBX, a private Omaha gym, to develop an evidence-based program for older adults called UB Stronger 55+. And so we're going to talk about this program today, and we're also talking about fall prevention because September is Fall Prevention Awareness Month. And it's going to be a really interesting conversation, especially if you're, if you're interested in maintaining healthy bones, healthy muscles and preventing falls as you age. So Betsy, thank you for joining us today. I'm excited to hear about this program and just how you guys have developed it and what's included. Um, so go ahead and give us maybe a little bit of your background and then how you kind of found UBX gym and then work to partner with them for this, um, really cool program.
0: Sure. Thank you for having me. I um, have been a physical therapist for over 20 years now, and I originally started my career in orthopedics um, and then kind of melded with family situations into more skilled nursing. And so I've been working with older adults um, almost exclusively for over 10 years now and have really enjoyed it and just love watching the potential of people be realized through dosing activity correctly, you know, not, not limiting people to um, moving slowly in their older age. So um, as I've learned more about that and gained skills and expertise in that, it's been really exciting. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in exercise science. And so originally um, I was really interested in that before I became a physical therapist. So um, I love to strength train myself and have Transferred some of that information into my practice, um, along with you know movement within the field um, that has been you know really promoting more um, evidence-based intensity of exercise for even older people. Um, so that led me to partnering with UBX. It's um, a private gym that I do a class at three times a week myself, um, and there's. Um, high level trainers there. And it's a really holistic group of people that concentrate on nutrition and mindset and um, overall wellness. So it's called um, UBX, the ultimate body experience uh, is what that stands for. Um, So, but they also kind of named themselves Omaha's health hub. So this is just one more service line to serve older adults specifically. So with my knowledge of the body and how older adults, um, their movement changes as they age or some modifications we have to make because of a history or an injury, um, developed with another trainer, um, a really specific class that touches on lots of different things.
1: Yeah. So tell me how you saw this need as a physical therapist, you currently work in a skilled nursing facility setting, Mm -hmm. um, which if you're not familiar with that, it's a short-term rehab. So people come and stay for a few weeks, maybe a month, maybe two, depending on the severity, Mm -hmm. and then they go back home and usually they get home care. And then sometimes after home care, they get outpatient. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes people don't even need a skilled nursing facility. They might go home and go straight to outpatient or go straight to home care. But then what, you know, so like, how does UBX 55 plus or UB stronger really Mm -hmm. fit into this system of geriatric care that we have.
0: Sure. Yeah, there was this gap between, um, you know, the specific rehab things that we were doing in, in even an in outpatient rehab to really address a specific impairment, like an injury, or maybe it was, you know, cardiac related, so more general weakness. Um, but then once the patient has their home exercise program, and they're at a good functional level, well, Medicare and and most insurances are like, well, you're good, go, go and be on your own now. So the home exercise program that you have from your therapist isn't meant to carry you for the rest of your life. So there are some other community programs, um, you know, everybody knows usually about silver sneakers and things like that, but there wasn't anything I could find that was more specific on strengthening and combating that loss of muscle that happens, people think inevitably as we age, but um, just like any preventative health condition, you have preventative wellness and that is strengthening, um, and working on your balance and things. Um, so that's where I saw it is there was this gap between rehab and fitness. And so this program fills that gap. Yeah. So we don't just want to
1: discharge someone with like a a sheet of exercises. Say this is Mm -hmm. your home exercise program. Good luck because we know what usually happens is eventually a revolving door of illness. You know, they Mm -hmm. come back, we call them frequent flyers, so the frequent flyers in the rehab facility. Yeah. The people yeah. that just can't quite get healthy. Mm-hmm. And we know that if we want to prevent falls, we have to start as early as possible with strengthening with good nutrition. So I'm mm-hmm. interested how you, so first of all, who's the team that you work with and then how did you guys
0: develop the curriculum for mm-hmm. your program and what does it look like? hmm so I work um, specifically a co-coach with another uh, tr- health professional or a fitness professional n- named uh, Nick Monzu. And um, then also the owner of the gym, who is Luke Shook. And they're both um, experienced trainers. So Nick does a lot of the programming for the class that I actually take myself. And so I've you know seen his work for the past um, three years and been doing that every month. And the program changes about every four weeks. Um, and I, I really liked the format of it. So from the knowledge that I have about what needs older adults have in their movement and just functional movements, you know, like picking a laundry basket up off of the floor is actually a deadlift. Yeah. So we just incorporated those exercise names, but they're really, really functional movements. So, you know, a push-up on a box is opening a heavy door. So it's all about just making you stronger with your everyday life. So, um, yeah, so our, we do a little bit different programming. The first section, there's three sections. Um, the first section is more really strength-based where you are doing low volume. So only maybe four to six repetitions, but a high weight, a high intensity. So, um, say you were doing a bicep curl where you could probably do, you know, a five pound pretty easy um, for 10 repetitions, but we want you to only be able to do four repetitions. So you might have to pick a 12 pound dumbbell and do that four times. And so by that third and fourth rep, it should feel hard. Like you couldn't hardly even do a fifth or a sixth one. So coaching people on their exertion level, um, the rating of perceived exertion, we use that. um, And that's something I use with clinically um, that we're taught in school. And we use in practice um, because a lot of older adults are on cardiac medications, pulmonary medications that affect their vitals, their blood pressure response, their heart rate response. So we really do try to focus on their ex- feeling of exertion. And that takes time. It takes coaching to feel like, oh, I, c- I can do something hard because it's mm-hmm that 25 pound kettlebell looks impossible to lift, yeah. but there, you know, once you figure out how to do it and you've gotten over that fear and you listening to your body, it takes a few weeks though, for people to have confidence in themselves to kind of bump up to the next weight. And that's what the coaching is for. We have a really small ratio. It's one coach to no more than five adults. Nice. So, um, We have one class right now of 10 and two coaches, Nick and I are both in there. And then I have a class of five by myself right now. So we're just, that's the ratio we're going to stick to. And it kind of depends on the level of, of everyone in the class. Um, But yeah, then the second section is more uh, higher reps. So maybe 10 to 12 repetitions. So more medium weights. And then the third section is where we kind of throw in the fun things where we get to address. Um, agility or um, higher level balance or changing directions or a cognitive component with an activity. So that's where I get to throw in all my therapy tricks, I think, yeah. um, and then use the gym equipment in a fun way. Um, but it really increases people's confidence in their movement.
1: Mm-hmm. That's really important. And I think people might not realize how quickly they can decline
0: particularly Mm
1: -hmm. after a joint surgery, where Mm -hmm. if you have a period of immobility for an extent, you know, a week, two weeks, you can lose so much muscle mass Mm -hmm. so fast, and it can Mm -hmm. take a while to rebuild. I'm interested to ask why the high, the high intensity followed by the moderate intensity. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of curious why you guys chose that training. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it, um, for one, it preserves, I feel like, some joint health <laughs> okay. because you really do want to build in the first section, you have the low, um, the low volume, high weight. And so you're really going to change your muscle fibers. You're going to hyper, you're going to get into hypertrophy, which is combating sarcopenia, which is the loss of muscle and loss of function. So, and functional activities, we don't usually have to do 12 times in a row. Yeah. You only really have to lift that bag of dog food in and out of the car. what, twice, three times, you know, into the car, into the house, you know, so those things, we really want to increase capacity for those short, you know, only a few rep type activities. And then the other medium, you know, intensity, higher rep uh, group, I think builds your muscular endurance for those longer acting things, you know, putting away dishes, you're going to doing like 12 or 15 dishes in an overhead cabinet. Well, the one arm overhead press is going to really help you with that. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's important to highlight the differences
1: between the different activities, different exercises Mm -hmm. have different physiological benefits. And so I think varying up the movements and the exercise Mm -hmm. plan is really important. And we understand that as physical Mm -hmm. therapists and people that Mm -hmm. have really studied exercise, but you know, just walking as your primary form of exercise Mm -hmm. doesn't, optimize your prevention of sarcopenia and it doesn't Mm -hmm. optimize your balance and your agility. Um, So what are some of the results from the pilot program? Mm Because you guys kind of just ran your first kind of program. Yes. What were some of the results that you saw?
0: Yes. So we had um, eight original people who committed to, um, you know, with Nick and I to kind of be our guinea pigs, um, for lack of a better term, but it kind of let us work some of the kinks out and it's people that we knew they were kind of familiar to the gym and familiar to us. Um, so they were willing to kind of go along with some changes midstream, um, where we kind of, it, it took about a second rep of the programming to figure that we just wanted three sections. Cause we started with four and that was just too much demonstration and gotcha. new learning of yeah. of movements. Um, so um, Sorry, refocusing on your question, Morgan. <laughs> um, okay. The results yeah. of the pilot program, right? And so we did a lot of testing. So the can I talk about the metrics, maybe that we're tracking, yeah, and then, that, then that'll cool. kind of flow into there. Um, so we wanted people to get value from this program because it is a cash pay program um, that you're signing up for, and we want you to have value beyond just the hour that you're there working out. So. We do an intake visit with every person where it's almost like a mini therapy evaluation where I'm going over medical history, any movement issues that you might have. And then we do some evidence-based testing that I do even with my lower level um, clients who are, are rehabbing after an illness. Um, balance like single leg standing, an agility test like the four square step test, um, just the simple 30 seconds sit to stand. You know, how many can you do? Those tests all have evidence-based norms based on your age. So we do those tests. um, And then I would go over the norm chart with people. So they kind of knew where they were at, average below or above. And then we did them every month. So we kind of tracked it all summer, all three months. And then even after two months with the sit to stand test, we saw um, overall a 40% increase. That's in the numbers. And so a lot of that we know from strength training is motor learning. You're learning how to move better. So it's not that they built up all these great, you know, leg muscles. They did a little, but their body learned how to use their muscles better. And then, um, the balance, we also tested gait speed, which of course we know is the sixth vital sign. Um, so it's very, Related to immobility or hospitalization, so we tested that as well, and we saw about a 20% improvement in gait speed. So, just less risk of having an event, a medical event, or going to the hospital. So, and that was only in the first two months of classes. So, we know there's going to be a short-term benefit, and we've kind of coached them to say, "Well, now this is going to be kind of where you're at." Like. You know, unless you're really wanting to get more into fitness, which is fine, but they're going to get to their average, above average numbers and probably plateau a little bit. So with this new group, we've decided to measure um, these six different metrics, two per month. So you'll get every metric measured every quarter. Basically. Okay. So it's more of a spot check, um, which I think will be a little more valuable over time because you don't really see... after you've been working out for a while, you don't see as big of changes. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't. Yeah. So, and just to know that that's normal, you know? So um, yeah. So that's some of the short-term gains that we've uh, been showing. Yep. So what about other parts of the curriculum? I think
1: this is interesting too, because I, I love educating, like When Mm -hmm. I was in, was it, when I was a PT, I build so much like quote unquote, therapeutic activity, the the educating piece. And that's really what drove me to transition into this, Was that's Mm -hmm. my favorite part of the job is like Mm -hmm. helping people understand why certain choices are healthier for them than others. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what types of education are you providing to these participants Mm -hmm. outside of the realm of taking them through the physical training?
0: Yeah. So we've, um, we're just still developing um, this content because we're going to do a different subject every month. So this subject, because it was, or this month, because it was fall prevention awareness month, we are doing, you know, Facebook posts on falls. And so currently um, we're doing the Facebook post, but we'll also be um, having that content sent out via email. Mm-hmm. So people don't have to be on social media to get the content. Um, So, so far, those are our two um, mediums for dispersing the information. And then we have other topics planned out for every month, um, like bone health. Um, And so we started actually some jumping. Um, Don't be scared. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's um, just a little hopping, but just gaining some confidence. But, you know, that's what your bones need. So we're starting things in the class that will relate to the topics. Um, we'll have one on, uh, walking like cardiovascular exercise and then some options for that. And then it's a way to build community, maybe to meet up like at a trail that nobody's been to, or that people want to try together. Um, so that kind of builds, I think your accountability with the class. And then, um, just that's a, we all know that that's a part of healthy living is to have healthy relationships, especially based around something like fitness, a good positive influence. Um, Other things would be like nutrition. Sorry. Um, like some nutrition, as far as, um, you know, including more fruits and vegetables, getting enough protein, what are some alternative sources of that? Um, we've given out, you know, a smoothie recipe because people are wanting to know more about how to add fruits and vegetables to their, their diet and, and older people sometimes eat less. And so they're not eating enough. Um, yeah, so that's just an example. You know what I'd be
1: interested in are cognitive improvements. Mm, mm -hmm. If you haven't already thought about doing that, I don't know Mm -hmm. what the cognitive level is, but Mm -hmm. we know that exercise number one, but then also community is so good for cognition. So I'd be really interested to know Mm -hmm. in cognitive improvements. And I think that could be another... Aspect that mm-hmm. could be measured if you know, not right. like you have to just measure everything here, but yes,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you can do maybe some self measurements on those too. Have people some self reported changes that people have seen over time,
1: yeah. Oh, I was That's gonna really ask good. too is this a, a certain duration, like a two month or a three month, or is it kind of an ongoing thing? How are you guys it's, structuring it?
0: Yeah, it's an ongoing open enrollment thing. We are, um, the exercise programming is four weeks long. And okay. so like Tuesday workouts will be the same every Tuesday, except we change the repetitions. You know, we, we start out with lower reps, we get to more higher medium reps, and then we go down to low reps on week four. Um, and then it rotates. So in August, when we had five weeks, uh, we used that, that last week as kind of a, you know, a free play type thing. And so <laughs> I set up a, um, uh, parkour course (laughs) for older adults, where they got to, you know, use like mobility in a different way. They got to use their strength in a different way. So
1: we set up some things
0: that are just a little out of the norm, but still fun and engaging and, and building strength and endurance.
1: That's so cool. I think this is great. It reminds me a little bit of stronger life with Dustin Jones. Have you Mm -hmm. heard of that? I had him on the podcast and I think that it sounds a little bit similar. I, I think mm-hmm. yours might be a little bit more small group focused than mm-hmm. his might be a li- like a little bit more of a, you know, only gym for adults fifty five plus with maybe yes. bigger classes. Mm-hmm. But I love seeing more of this, and I know that it's needed. I know that mm-hmm. that in person support and community mm-hmm. and personal coaching is needed, specifically, like you said, to challenge yourself. Like yes. after my conversation with Dustin. And when I asked him, I was like, what's your rep, what, what, what reps do you recommend for strength training? It's like five sets of five and mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, I'm at eight to 12 reps. Yeah. But the first time that I increased to five, I was afraid of injury and I'm young. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So how do you help yeah. people overcome that fear of injury mm-hmm. when they aren't quite
0: sure about their movement capacity? Mm-hmm. Yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, like we talked about, um, exertion levels. Mm -hmm. It takes time to get to know your body. And especially if, if these movements and the names of the movements are really unfamiliar, um, you know, First, and some people just depends on where they are, you know, in their daily life, but they progress at different rates. You know, we have one gentleman who, I think is trusting himself more and more. And so now he's, you know, deadlifting 75 pounds, but, you know, at the beginning it was like 35 pounds and, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I knew he had the capacity to do more, but he had to trust himself to do it. So, you know, as a coach, I'm just gently prompting, you know, or I'm paying attention, like, you know, Sherry, is this your third set on the fourth set? Maybe try this one. It's only 10 pounds heavier, but your form looks great. So I think you can handle it. So I'm paying attention to breakdown of movement. You know, that's what I that's my job is watching people move. So um, and then you know Nick of course is, a, is an expert in in human body movement too. So we're making sure that the weight that they're choosing is appropriate but also challenging enough. So we gently, <laughs> gently suggest increases in weights, but we can tell by personality too whether people are going to be receptive to that or they need a little more time.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. When yeah. I I used to work out with my dad sometimes at the gym and he knew that I was looking at his face. More mm-hmm. than his body sometimes to, mm-hmm. to assess his exertion. So yeah, he yeah. learned to to play that and he would like fake straining on his face. And I'm like, <laughs> Dad, I know you're not really working that hard. <laughs> So <laughs> you really got to get good at both the facial and the physical aspects yeah. of muscle fatigue to trick a physical therapist. Right. Um, so that yeah. was kind of funny. So I think yeah. a really interesting part of this conversation too is the importance of people taking personal responsibility for their health because Mm -hmm. of changes in Medicare. Like people, Mm -hmm. I think if they're outside of the healthcare industry, they are not aware of how many cuts Mm
0: -hmm. therapy is
1: getting from Medicare Mm -hmm. and how that's going to impact the level of services that companies are able to provide without going bankrupt. So can you explain just your Mm -hmm. perspective on that a little bit and the importance of personal responsibility for your own home.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I think, um, it's, some of us looking at, at the healthcare system as a whole, we don't, we don't necessarily have, um, a robust healthcare system. We have a really good sick care system that, that treats disease and helps keep people from dying. Um, but it's not overly focused on quality of life. Um, And so what I see in the population that I treat is people with different types of insurances. And I won't go into a lot of details, but there's traditional Medicare and then there's managed Medicare plans. And and they are looking for those those notches in improvement, like, you know, how far can you walk? How much help do you have at home? Can you get up and down with maybe just supervision or somebody helping you a little bit? Then it's time to go home. Um, which is, is sometimes how people are actually are discharged from the hospital. So, you know, the, we know people aren't, you know, lifting weights before they leave the hospital, you know, you can go home and still need a little bit of help, but we, we want people to be safe and medically stable, of course, is the primary reason I like to combat some of those insurance denials. Um, but overall, people are getting less and less minutes of therapy. Um, and so that makes it even more important as a clinician to improve the quality, to improve the intensity of therapy that they're getting so that those functional gains happen in a shorter amount of time when it's, when it's medically appropriate. Um, but also I, I I really try to use some motivational interviewing with people to kind of lead them to see beyond this acute episode. Like, you know, how do you want to, how were you a year ago? How far could you walk a year ago? Um, and then get them thinking in that forward thinking mindset that, oh yeah, I I need to get back to that. And so I'm like, well, sitting exercises don't get you back to walking better and they don't get you back to, to getting out of a chair, better getting out of a chair multiple times gets you better at getting out of a chair. So, um, you know, so I try to just make things really logical, you know, you get better at this by doing it more. And they'll look at me like, oh, you're right, but (laughs) it's hard work, you know, especially if you're just coming off of an illness. So, you know, I'm there to be kind of that counselor and that coach, even even in my clinical practice, um, to help them realize their potential and look beyond now, but then set them up for that expectation that you don't have to, this doesn't have to be the new normal, you know, the new lower level, you know, like, oh, well, now I have a now I have a bad knee or now I have a, you know, now I have to use a walker. Well, if you didn't use a walker two months ago and you are healthy enough and can progress, you know, if it's appropriate, then let's try to progress beyond that. But often the intensity of therapy or the amount of therapy visits that they get isn't quite enough. So you really have to be an advocate for yourself as a patient. And advocate for going beyond getting, you know, as much home health therapy as you can, going to outpatient therapy to reach those goals that you're looking six months ahead to be able to get to. They don't happen on their own. And usually people aren't super self-motivated to be as intense with their home exercise program. I pay for a gym membership, so I know. So I, you know, I like going where there's support and guidance and everything. So that's one reason we're providing this program is to just be another resource, um, for people that have something medical and they don't want to get hurt. And they don't want people, maybe a trainer who doesn't have the medical knowledge to lead them in a path that, that would put them in a, you know, compromising situation medically. So I, I work with people, um, with exercise, uh, people that are ill all the time. So that's, that's something that is, that's something I do day in and day out. So the people that are walking into my gym seem very high level. So
1: I know it's like, Oh, this is easy peasy. Like tell let's really get you moving, you know, in a more confident way. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the cool thing here is I think that a lot of older adults are really intimidated to go to the gym because Mm -hmm. they don't know what to do. They're afraid to get hurt. Mm -hmm. They're afraid to be embarrassed They're afraid they're, they're just kind of afraid to be alone at it. And so I almost, Mm -hmm. I think that the community support of it is really great, especially for this population. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another thing that's interesting here is like, you were talking about treating the whole person and not just the Mm -hmm. impairment. Can you speak to that a little bit
0: more? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think looking at all the other factors, um, and that's part of what the, the gym that I go to UBX is also, um, concerned about is your internal health and your mental health and your emotional health, um, and and incorporating that into exercise. Um, I think treating um, people as multi-systems and not just looking pigeonholed at one thing. Um, We also, it's my knowledge has given me the ability to include the impairment in a more general program. So if I have somebody who had a rotator cuff tear and they don't have a perfect shoulder anymore, well, this is how you still do this exercise modified and, Mm -hmm. and then get the most out of it that you can. So treating them as their whole person, not pointing out the limitations, but just showing them a way to get past some barriers in that with their functional fitness. Um, And then really inc- incorporating, um, hydration. We talk about, you know, getting enough water. We talk about getting their steps in all of the CDC recommendations for, um, fitness as far as cardiovascular and strength training and flexibility. Um, we do flexibility things with our warm ups. Um, so just a multifaceted approach. Um, we also have as part of the group, um, nutrition coaches mm-hmm. too. So if people want a little more guidance or, you know, we just have people that are right in the office that can, you know, have an on the spot little consult with them to see if they would need more information or more guidance with that. So and it's nothing that we sell or push or anything. Cause we do just do some general knowledge sharing in the class, um, which for a lot of people is enough to motivate them to make some changes.
1: Yes. And for people that might not be aware of what changes, protein, 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 mm-hmm. protein, and <laughs> especially as we age, we need to increase the dose of protein due to anabolic mm-hmm. resistance. So mm-hmm. as you age and you're more likely to develop sarcopenia, your, your testosterone goes down, your human growth hormone goes down, mm-hmm. and we need a higher dose of protein to stimulate mm-hmm. that leucine threshold, which is kind of that essential amino acid required to lay down muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that this is, I see it all the time. You see it all the time. Mm-hmm. People waste away. They yeah. get to about 80 and they just really yeah. decline a lot faster because of the sarcopenia, sure. but it can be mitigated with this resistance mm. training that you're teaching people mm-hmm. with adequate protein intake. So at least like 30 to 40 grams a meal is what mm. I typically recommend to get that leucine threshold of okay. 30 grams is found in about 30 grams of high mm-hmm. quality protein. Mm -hmm. Um, So people are listening and they're like, oh, what nutritional recommendations, you know, can I do for fall prevention, protein and hydration are huge. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other specific ones related to nutrition
0: and fall Mm -hmm. prevention that you think about? Yeah, I think one other place that most Americans, not just older adults, but most Americans are deficient in is fiber. Mm -hmm. We don't get enough fiber in our diets because we don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. And so, and beans and whole grains. And so getting those in good quality and quantity, and sometimes you need to do a smoothie to be able to get, you know, a lot of the nutrients and the fiber from all those fruits and vegetables in a concentrated amount. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's something that we will promote as well. Also, that's just really good for gut health. And we have, that's just another, um, issue that people end up having too is problem with their digestion. So, slowly gaining more fiber and getting the recommended amount of fiber in your diet, um, over time, you know, you don't want to change, make changes quickly in that area. Um, but over time and then things can really improve. So that's another area that we promote. Yep. And if
1: if people are wondering 25 grams for women, 38 grams for men Mm -hmm. is the current like recommended daily allowance. Mm -hmm. And it is quite a bit, especially getting it from whole food. I think I work Mm -hmm. with people, a lot of times they want to lose weight and they're really surprised at how much food I recommend they eat and Mm -hmm. how full they feel. Okay. Well, this isn't just about losing weight. This is about improving your health and the weight loss will come. But what I'm more concerned about is, can you move in 20 years? Are you fueled in 20 years to be able to prevent sarcopenia and osteoporosis? And it's like, you got to get over the short-term weight loss goal Mm -hmm. a little bit. And focus on fueling your body. So Mm -hmm. I think that's such a good, a good reminder for all of us to increase our fiber. Um, I do have an Mm -hmm. ultimate food guide just in case anyone's wondering, well, what foods are higher in fiber. So zivli.com forward slash ultimate food guide. There's over 40 high fiber foods on that table. Mm -hmm. Um, just as a resource for anyone who wants to start increasing fiber, um, anything else that you wanted to mention today about
0: this program or One thing that's come to mind is, um, another one of the metrics that we track and they do this for m- multiple classes is, um, our body, um, lean body mass percentage. Okay. So we do an impedance test, um, on a machine called an in body. That's just the brand name of it, but it's a machine that you step on, um, with your bare feet and hold on with your hands. And it uses, uses bioelectrical impedance impedance. This is stuff I learned about with my exercise science degree way back when, um, but then it gives you, um, a printout of where, what your percentages are for your lean body mass, your body fat percentage, um, the amount of water. It also gives you your, um, your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, or how many calories you need just to survive? Mm-hmm. So we kind of use that as a starting point. And then we track and focus on their lean body mass. I'm not focused on an overall body weight. I'm not focused on body fat percentage that will take care of itself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you're gaining lean body mass, um, then percentages go down and numbers shift around where they need to be. Um, if we're focusing on gaining some muscle, so we'll make recommendations based just on that. Um, we had a, a, one of our participants that was losing a little bit of body mass every month, maybe a pound or so. And she just was not eating enough. And so very common, you know, she's a, a pretty, um, thin person anyway, but we're, we're trying to, you know, give her more ideas for meals, more ideas for protein, but people just aren't used to eating a big quantity of food.
1: Um, like you said, they have decreasing appetites. We see that yeah. a lot. They're mm-hmm. just not hungry. And right. you, this happens earlier than you might think fifties, fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. um, the research that I've read, I'm working, I told you on the second edition mm-hmm. of the Bibly course and a high protein diet, you, you can mm-hmm go different ways for car, like the percentage of carbs versus the percentage of fats Mm -hmm. based on body composition and fitness goals. But Mm -hmm. like protein needs to be the staple in the diet. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. research really supports about 30% of calories should come from protein Mm -hmm. to maintain lean body mass when losing weight. So Mm -hmm. if people are listening and they're like, yeah, I want to build lean body mass, but I don't want to get bulky and I don't want to gain weight. I want to lose weight. Really focusing on high protein can help with both goals. Cause it helps yeah. support that lean muscle mass is mm-hmm. a really interesting study. I can't remember the exact statistics, but they, they compared, um, different diet types and yeah, high mm-hmm. protein diet was by far the diet that helped preserve the loss of lean muscle mass with mm-hmm. weight loss. Mm-hmm. So most of the weight loss was coming from adipose or fat tissue. Sure. So I like that you guys are measuring that and really mm-hmm. kind of breaking down, well, where is this, where right. is mass coming from that you're losing and really mm-hmm. highlighting, hey, you're mm-hmm. losing muscle mass here. This is right. because
0: you're not eating enough. Yeah. Right. And then talking about how overall it affects your metabolism and you're you will probably feel like you are a little more hungry as you gain more lean body mass because you need more calories to fuel that. Mm-hmm. Um so it was a unique thing to go to a gym and they tell you to eat more. <laughs> so it's just that they're looking at your whole, whole fitness, whole wellness profile.
1: Yep. And I like the more muscle I have, the more I can eat. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. more muscle mass. I have the more room your body has to deposit glycogen, which mm-hmm. is a storage form of carbohydrates. And mm-hmm. it goes there before it's going to fill your body fat tissue, like your body fat first. Mm-hmm. So the more muscle glycogen you have to fill is like the bigger your garage, the more cars you can put it in. Um, so I like that. Um, and then the other thing that I had reviewed lately is, that a pound of muscle burns about seven to 10 calories per pound Mm -hmm. per day versus a pound of fat is about one to two. It's Mm -hmm. just a more metabolically demanding and active tissue. Like -hmm. you said, to raise that basal metabolic rate and Mm -hmm. be able to eat more without, without gaining weight. Um, and it's like I'm eating healthy, but I like, I like knowing that. So (laughs) good good thoughts. Anything else you want to share on fall prevention?
0: Um, this program that you put together I think um, I think it's just been encouraging to see people come out of their shell and realize that that realize some potential. Um, I've I've been gathering some quotes from some of our participants over over the past few months, and uh, one of them that always sticks out is um, there was a lady that um, said, "I used to think about falling all the time, and now I hardly ever think about it." And she's also the one that says. I haven't jumped in like 20 years. (laughs) So, and she's just doing little hops, but it's just expanded her, um, probably her view on where she sees herself in 10 years, you know, like when you're feeling more capable, then you're going to maybe do more things that you'd need the capability to do like traveling, like spending more time with your grandkids doing active things. Um, so all of those quality of life benefits are just like a cherry on top, but that's really why we're why we're doing it just to help, um, help people's lives be better, improve their quality, resiliency, all of that. I think just as a final note, I really
1: want to challenge people to do something that they're not sure if they can do. And I have an example from my life and then, um, a resource to share with you if you didn't know about it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and anyone else who's in the Lincoln Omaha, the local area. So our church has this playground for kids and it has a super high pole. And I was like, what is that for? And like, is it just for climbing? And I, like, I wonder if I can climb that pole. Mm-hmm. And I never <laughs> used to be able to do the rope climbing in high school. Mm-hmm. I could not do it. I, I didn't have the strength. And when I first grabbed that pole, my thought was, there's no way I can do this. I've never been able to do this. Mm-hmm. I've never had that kind of strength, but I did it. And I climbed Ooh. all the way to that top. And I was like, <laughs> oh no, now I have to come down. Yeah but I was really excited that I could yeah. do something at now that I couldn't even do in high school. So you can gain strength with age. The other thing is, have you been to Mahoney state park to the the rock climbing wall? No,
0: I have rock climbed before, but I haven't been to that one. I've heard it's really good though.
1: It's fantastic. I yeah. tell, I shouldn't tell everyone about it because right <laughs> now it's not crowded. And if I get the mm-hmm. word out, then maybe it's going to be too crowded for my liking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you're really wanting like a fun challenge, that's a really mm-hmm. great way to kind of use strength in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then um, my mom also recently told me about the Fontenelle Forest tree climb adventure. Where uh-huh.
0: have you done that? I haven't
1: done that. No, yet. I've
0: had friends that have done that though, where you have to zip line or you're hooked to the things where you are walking across ropes suspended between trees.
1: <laughs> yes. I feel like that would be a really good uh activity for your, for some of your class participants, yeah. say, Hey, you're gaining all of this mobility and all of this mm-hmm. strength now mm-hmm. go see what you can do with it in real life. You know? And I think mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. best, like when my client, I have a client and her goal was to, to water ski, you know, because mm-hmm. she wanted to get a little bit of weight lo- like weight off and improve her fitness. So she could mm-hmm. water ski and snow ski. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what we love hearing about is an improved right. function to be able to enjoy their life with their loved yeah. ones. But I think if you're not consistently working above and beyond your natural capacity that you do on a Mm -hmm. daily basis, you can't do Mm -hmm. the fun stuff. So I like to say, I do the hard things so I can do the fun things. Um, and I think that, yeah, yeah, you share that and you're, I'm, I'm really excited Mm -hmm. to see how this goes. And Mm -hmm. I wish you the very best of luck. If you're in the Omaha area, definitely check
0: it out. Where, where can they learn more about the program? Yeah. So a couple places, um, we're on, we have a Facebook page, so it's UB stronger, 55, 55 plus. Um, and then there's also an email, uh, UB stronger, 55 plus at gmail.com. And then the UBX website, which is UBX Omaha.com.
1: Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, Betsy. I wish yeah. you the best of luck and I'll reach out soon when this one goes live. Great. All right. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Reshape Your Health podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and don't forget to tell a friend. To learn more and connect online, check out the links in the show notes.